Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of How I Crushed It, the podcast that shines a light on talent in the community. I'm Tunde. On the podcast this week, we speak to artist Shannon Bono. Not only one of the leading young black artists making her name at the moment, but she is also an associate lecturer at University of the Arts London. She is currently featured on a BBC documentary called Windrush, Portraits of a Generation, but you'll have to listen to the show to find out a bit more about that. She talks about how difficult it was to tell her parents that she wanted to go to art school, what the art scene is like in the UK, and what a typical day of an artist is actually like. Okay, so welcome to the show, Shannon. How, how are you today? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. Just for the listeners out there, we are recording this during our one of our lunch times because um, Shannon is, is obviously quite busy. So do I understand you, you're doing this in your studio at the moment? Is that is that right? Um, I'm not currently in my studio, no. Oh. Um, I'm actually working from home today and marking, marking papers at the moment. So just do it in the comfort of my own home. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, you're the first artist that we've had on the show. We've had a, a classical pianist on the show, Beatrice Nicholas. So yeah, for people out there, do catch that episode. But yeah, you're the first kind of, I guess, conventional artist that we've had on the show. So I'm sure people are really interested to hear a bit more about your your journey. As always, we always go back to right to the beginning. So how did it all begin for you? Where, where did you grow up and how was the, the first couple of years of your life, do you think? Well, I, I spent most of my years in Tottenham. I live in Tottenham now, but um, I was, I guess, yes, North London, Archway, sort of Crouch End, Hornsey area. It's where um, I spent my early years, um, but I was brought up in Tottenham. Um, I went to school in North London, in Camden, went to university. Well, I did my master's there. Um, but I would say, you know, just normal North London African girl, <laughs> African upbringing. My mum is from Sierra Leone. My dad is from Congo, which is a diversity of, of cultures around me. So my closest friends are from the Caribbean, um, you know, different parts of Africa. So I'd say I had a, a diverse upbringing. Yeah, but pretty normal. Pretty normal. And um, when did your parents come to the UK? Oh, my parents came when they were in their early 20s. Ah. Um, and they actually did meet in Tottenham as well. So I live in Tottenham and they met in Tottenham. I see. Yeah. I see. And do, do, have they told you the story of how they met? They lived next door to each other. Wow. Um, in Bruce Grove, actually. So I've, I've, been, I've been past that house many times. And... Um, I guess the rest is history, <laughs> <laughs> as they say. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that is quite a uh, quite a romantic meeting up, actually. Just kind of living next door to each other. That's yeah, yeah. It's very right. uh, convenient in many ways, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, growing up in North London, I I went to a school in Camden. I mean, I went to a secondary school in Camden, not a primary school. But do you remember the types of places that you were hanging out back at you know back in primary school or secondary school? Mm, do you know what? it was actually mostly in North London so Fringley Park and I have like a lot of early memories in Fringley Park um yeah. obviously Camden um Hampstead Heath the park yeah mostly yeah most of my my early memories are actually in North London I mean like Crouch End as well and in, in Hornsey so the church that I grew up in um is based there my nursery is there the library that I'm most comfortable with like where I used to study is there 
so yeah, I'm just very familiar with, with those areas. I went to yeah, um, primary school there as well. And how were your primary school years? Were they quite happy or were they quite difficult? Did you go to a fairly good school? Um, yeah, I went to a decent school. Um, pretty happy. I was very quiet as a as a as a child, um, like painfully shy. But mo- for the most part, I was happy, like in my own world. And like you know, I loved music. I'm very close to my. I was very close to my friends. I still am close to my um, to my friends that I made when I was in primary school. So yeah, pretty normal, pretty chill. Okay, so you mentioned about being very quiet, uh, quite shy as a as a kid. Was that just your personality back then, or what's the reason for that? Do you think? I'm not too sure. It's probably just my personality then. Um, I, I, I'm not actually sure why I was so like shy and so quiet. And I can still be like that now. Not I wouldn't say I'm shy now, but I can be very quiet at times. But um, maybe like being the only child, well, I'm the only child for my mum on my mum's side. So it could just be a thing of, you know, being used to silent, being silent, you know, my mum's working. So me being at home or could be a number of things, but I haven't really uh, pinpointed why I was so shy when I was younger. So you just mentioned there that you seem to have some siblings on your, is it on your dad's side? Are you, did you grow up with those guys or? No, I didn't. So my older sibling, she lives in Congo and ah. um, my two youngest ones, um, they live far away from me as well. So I didn't grow up with them. So yeah, it still feels like I'm an only child in a way, ah, but, um, okay. <laughs> but I'm not, no. And your parents came when they were in, the, in their mid-twenties. I mean, what kind of jobs did, did they have? Because obviously you've, you've now gone into a, an artistic sort of field. Was there any influence from your, either your mum or your dad in terms of art? I would say in a way. So I guess in terms of just being creative and um, I do love music as well. I don't play music, but I just really enjoy music. So I, I'd say I got that from my dad. My dad definitely collected a lot of records, a lot of CDs. And I, I've kind of taken that on as well, where he he collects all these things and he would write his name on them. So my love for music, I would say I got it from him and for like maybe sketching and doodling. He would like do little doodles with me. I even remember when I was very young, well, like one of my earliest memories is him teaching me how to draw a duck from the number two and I can still do it to this day it's very very random um thing but I guess maybe in Congolese my dad is from Congo um Congolese people are known for their fashion and for their creativity so and it's funny a lot of it kind of appears in my work today a lot of um the creativity from Congo um and my mom um also a very fashionable person, very, you know, outspoken, eccentric person. Um, I wouldn't say she was creative, but she did reveal to me, like when I graduated from my master's, that she used to do art, um, despite her not not wanting me to do art. So that was pretty funny. But other than that, no, um, I don't know where it came from. It just, it just came out of nowhere. So she kept that from you all that time until you graduated. Yeah. And it was a struggle to even get into arts, you know, just, you know, your parents not wanting you to, to struggle, I guess, you know, my mom's a social worker, my dad's a bus driver and they want the best for you. But at that time I was just a bit, I was just upset that, you know, I didn't, that, that my parents didn't want me to fulfill this sort of passion of mine. But now looking back, I understand they just want the best for me. They didn't want me to struggle. So um, I guess that's why she revealed it to me afterwards. <laughs> she <didn't laughs> want to encourage me to do it. So, yeah. Okay. 
So I know, I know that at A level, you went to college, you did A level arts, you did biology and chemistry. At what age do you think your passion for art kind of crystallized, would you say? Um, I would say even during like GCSE studies, um, I also did science and art when I was doing my GCSEs. And it's so funny, I actually bumped into my GCSE art teacher um, recently at the university that I work at. And I was just telling her, you know, we just had like a little cry at at, at Central St. Martins. I was just telling her that, yeah, I still remember the artist that you showed to me, like um, this is a black female artist from America. Her name is Mickalene Thomas. And I think, I think the reason why she showed me that artist is because I wasn't really connecting to the artists that they had in the curriculum, you know, the typical white, they, they call them masters in painting. So it's like, you know, Picasso and um, um, Andy Warhol, all these um, white male artists that are very successful, that were very successful in their, in their field and still are even in their death. Um, I think, she could tell that I wasn't really connecting. And I think as soon as she, sh- as she showed me Mickalene Thomas and her work, so Mickalene Thomas makes these very large scale paintings, like huge paintings um, of black women in these very colorful backgrounds. She uses a lot of rhinestones and a lot of materials that might be familiar to a lot of, you know, black people of color. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh wow. Like who is this person? And they're doing extremely well in their field. So you know, black women are actually making art and then they're actually successful um, in this field. So I think that's what kind of started it as well. That put the, the the idea in the back of my head, even though I did go on to study biochemistry for my undergrad. But um, I think that definitely kind of pushed me to really look into maybe other black female artists that were creating and doing well and, you know, representing people like me. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what, really kind of started started my, the ideas of wanting to become an artist. Wow. So at that time, you're thinking actually potentially art could be like a, a career for you. Yeah. 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 Okay. I right. I, I, well, I wanted it to be. I was like, yeah. I was like, this is like the craziest sort of thing that I could possibly think of doing, um, like a dream, like idea of what I would want to do. I was into um, fashion illustration as well. That, that idea kind of got cut really fast. I, I, I remember going to like a fashion event with like all these sketches and thinking, just being very naive and just being very optimistic and showing all these people my designs and they just weren't really, <laughs> they weren't really happy to see me or like to see anything I was, I was working. I was like, okay, maybe yeah, they're not that nice. So I'll try something else. But um, yeah, I've always definitely liked to doodle and draw and sketch. And in my mind, that would have been like the, the craziest thing I could ever do. Um, one of my dreams anyways. So I guess back then, I mean, you know, as we say, 14, 15, everybody's quite, I guess, quite sort of inexperienced and a bit naive. I mean, how did you see yourself earning money from art back then? Was it not so well formed? It was just like a, maybe like a general theme that, okay. Yeah. Art, just, just an yeah. idea of this is, this is an amazing career to have and the feeling that I felt anyways, by looking at this artwork, it just, it made me feel proud of who I am. It made me feel, it's probably best to actually see the work as well. So as a black, as a young black girl, seeing these black women in these large scale paintings, it's like, wow. Like the feeling of when you, for example, if you go to like the National Portrait Gallery and you see these large scale paintings of like the royal family, you can tell that they're important. They're, they're, you know, (laughs) their riches are, are shown on their body and 
their accomplishments are, are placed within the portrait, you know, symbols of their accomplishments. So that feeling of seeing yourself in such a regal sort of position and, yeah, again, the scale and the colour and the materials, that feeling of seeing someone that could be you um, is really what I wanted to to give other people. Um, so, yeah, I think that was what I was focusing on more so than um, uplifting black women um, because that's what I needed maybe at that time. I wasn't really thinking about the, the money side or how I was going to get into it. But I, I can see that this woman is doing something I would want to do and she's doing it very well and she's, and she's successful at it. So that could be a possible route for me. Okay, so you've got this like really uh, deep passion for art back then during your A-levels. But then you end up, as you mentioned earlier, doing a, a biochemistry degree at, at Essex University. So how, how, did you, how did you come to that decision? Um, just fear of, fear, <laughs> um, of my African parents. Yes, you know, yes. Fear of failing. Just, just as a, you know, you know, the mindset of, you know, okay, this, after three years of studying this, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to get paid from it. So maybe that's the best route to go. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I did it. But I realized early on, like first year that, yeah, this is not what I'm going to do. I thought I could push through. I, well, I did push through. I definitely finished. I definitely graduated, gave my degree to my African parents. But uh-huh. um, my first year of study, I knew that I'm going to start preparing my portfolio to, to at least try and get into art school and just see if there's a possibility that I could actually make it in that field. So, yeah. So even though you were doing essays and tests and all that kind of stuff, you were still doing art on the side. Is that, is that right? Or? Yeah, I was still doing art. I'd been into a lot of art competitions when I was at uni. And I remember speaking to, I remember I went to like a Lightroom class. I went to some art class um, on campus when I was at Essex. And, and I, I, for some reason, I just felt like I wanted to share that, um, no, I think I might want to apply for art school after this. And I told the the teacher that was running the class, I was like, yeah, I think I want to go to Central St. Martins. It's one of the best schools. And um, and she basically told me that don't get disappointed if you don't get in because, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, she just crushed my dreams. I was like, okay, let me just continue with this science thing then. But, um, well, thank God that I actually ended up get, getting into that, into that university and I teach at that university now as well. So, yeah, just got to really push through despite all the challenges that you face and, you know, all the negative comments that you might receive on the way. Okay, so you get your degree from Essex in biochemistry. How was the time when you had to tell your mum and dad that actually, you know what, guys, I'm going to art school? How was that conversation? (laughs) (laughs) It was very, very stressful. So my master's was actually in art and science. So... I thought maybe it would sound, you know, a little bit less artsy, but as soon as my mum heard the art, she was like, uh, what? You just finished the science school, you want to go and do art? Does that make sense? So it was, it was a stressful time. She didn't understand it. My dad is the sort of person where he was confused, but if he can see that you're sure about something, then if you're sure, then he'll be sure. So I just told him, I looked at him, I was like, this is something I really want to do. I don't know where it's going to take me. It's just, I just feel it. I just know that it's going to work out for me. So yeah, it took a lot of convincing. And I don't think my parents were even convinced, even when I was studying um, during art school, like for two years. I think it was literally at, before my graduation, there's like this big showcase called a degree show. And it was literally at the degree show 
when I actually sold most of my artworks for whatever price they were at the time. That's when my mum and my dad realised, wait, what? You can actually make this much money in this amount of time. I was like, yeah. Well, I, I don't know either. I was, it was a shock to me. I was like, just thank God, you know, thank God that it, that it happened that way. But um, yeah, so they were convinced after the two years of studying um, that I could actually make some money from this art thing. Brilliant. Now, I know artists, because I, I used to be an actor, um, so I know artists, they don't, they don't get into art for the money. But yeah, <laughs> take me back to that time when you first sold a piece of art. How was that feeling for you? I think I just, it was like a feeling of, you know, relief in a way. I was like, um, I wouldn't say I'm a very religious person, but um, I do have a relationship with God. And I just, I just had, I don't know, it was just this faith in me. I was like, no matter what my situation is now, I just know that this is going to work for me. So it was a feeling of, you know, like, thank you. You know, thank you for like allowing this to happen now, for allowing my parents to see this now. Um, Just feeling of relief and, you know, just being very grateful and, all the hard work that I put into into those two years of studying and trying to, you know, catch up, trying to do my best to get better at my um, within my practice. So, and um, actually, Tunji was another person that purchased one of my paintings before I even graduated. So, and he has a great collection of artwork as well. So that was like amazing just to see my work in his home, like beside a Yinshonibari piece. I was like, wow, like this is surreal you know yeah for listeners out there Tunji appeared on the last podcast or maybe the the last book one so do check out that show but yeah he um he actually recommended that I speak to to Shannon actually so yeah respect for the link up um I mean was there any because I know in my own case I had a conventional business career and then I changed I, I went into acting when I went to drama school there was a period where I had a bit of imposter syndrome I guess because I was thinking you know how how am I going to fit in with all these artsy actors and stuff like that was there any of that when you went to uh, Central St Martins bearing in mind that you did a, a science degree before that yes because Central St Martins has um it's like a stigma there's like a thing that people say about Central St Martins that it can be very a bit too artsy sometimes people there can be a bit snobby because they go to Central St. Martins like they feel like they're better than everyone because of the it was a it's a very good school so I was concerned that um I wouldn't be as you know on everyone else's level and yeah I was, I was concerned about a lot of things but I think I I avoided that because I was just so determined to get better to you know use all the resources that were available to me I was like my head was down so um if if there was that around me I didn't even notice because I was I was on a path I was very very focused um but definitely I was concerned about that in the beginning but that went away very quickly when I realized you know the masters have cost a lot of money and um there's a lot to do there's a lot of work to do if I'm going to change my career right now so yeah, it didn't really concern me. But yeah, I had I did have moments of that. Yeah. And I, I know you've been, it's been mentioned, I don't know, I don't know if it was a, another podcast or maybe it was an article, but you've said elsewhere that when you did your MA, uh, you felt there was a lack of representation. And it is, this is actually something you, you mentioned earlier. There was a lack of representation on the course in terms of the people that you were kind of studying and so forth. Has that changed or is it still, is that still a, a problem in the, in the art world when you're, you know, when you're studying art in terms of the people that you're kind of focusing on and, and learning about? Yeah, the, the, yeah, I think, 
I noticed it more in the beginning, you know, going to this school, I was the only black person on year one and year two of the course. There were no academics of colour on my course. Um, and it led me to kind of try to fix the problem. So I was just sorting out all the academics of colour um, within the institution. And then I, I ran across um, this sort of, it's called Shades Noir. So they, they're not a part of UAL, but they do work, do a lot of work within UAL, University of the Arts London. So um, there was definitely a lack of representation and I, I called it out as much as I could. And I, you know, I tried to um, add things to the reading list for the, for the next, yeah, you know, um, try to do a lot of things to try to tackle that and bridge that gap. And within the art industry itself, I think now I noticed it less because, you know, you kind of create the community that you want to see in a way. So I might go to a lot of exhibitions that include a lot of black artists and I see a lot of the same artists, you know, artists of colour around me. So I noticed it less, but there are some places where my work would be and, um, it is very white and sometimes there was even a time where I was even I was in an exhibition and it was mostly white people all white people um, that were showing in the show except for me and I even felt uncomfortable going into the building and people I felt like people were looking at me in a way I was like wait I actually do have work in this building I deserve I need to be here I deserve to be here I shouldn't feel um, any sort of way despite the people that are are in this in this building so um definitely you do you do notice it in some in some places and um you know there can be like tokenism as well so there'll be like a very big exhibition but then they feel like you know they need to be quote-unquote diverse so they'll bring you in even though your work has nothing to do with it so it's like it's yeah all sorts goes like all all of that goes on um in the art in the art world but I think now I notice it less because you know I'm creating this sort of community um, of artists around me and, and they are mostly um, artists of colour. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly sort of infrastructural problems in every industry, actually, not just in the art, in the art world. But do you think there's also like a pipeline issue as well? You know, as we discussed earlier, parents of a previous generation, sometimes they don't really encourage their kids to get into art um, and therefore there's not as many trying to get into the art schools and so forth. Do you think that's a, an issue as well? Definitely, yeah. Um, even when I was studying, there was a there was like this initiative that they were trying to, you know, um, they were discussing the attainment gap and how students from a certain background are not applying for art school and they're trying, trying to figure out a reason why. And I was trying to figure out why as well. Um, it could, yeah, definitely cultural. Could be culture. Could be, you know, backgrounds. Your, your parents, you know, just wanting you to focus on a, I guess, a heavily academic subject at university so you're guaranteed a job and, you know, you can support yourself afterwards. I think there's so many things, representation, there's so many things that factor into, into why um, students of colour from certain backgrounds are not applying to art school. And it's understandable. Um, it's just a thing where I just happen to, to push pushed through despite all of this and I guess um within my work I try to encourage you know people like me to to get into the arts if they if that's what they really want to do and show them the ways of how to navigate um in this career um so yeah it's definitely um an issue and, and those first few years after you graduated from uh, Central St Martins I mean 
how did you make ends meet? And, you know, how did you start to get yourself in the various exhibitions that you've now been in? Um, so when I graduated, while I was studying and after I graduated, I was working in a bar, um, doing a lot of bar work. And it was actually a gradual sort of change. I also went into teaching. So Shades in the Wild helped me get into teaching. And so that's how I supported myself was through bar work and then eventually it was the teaching and I still do teaching now. But um, I think my artist community that I kind of, you know, developed and um, was part of while I was studying um, helped me to to get into the right places and told me to what to apply for. And I, and I do this for other people now. I was like, you know, if you're interested in this, then apply for this, try this out. So I heavily relied on my artist community and um, applying for anything and everything, really thinking about what I wanted to do and what I needed. So when I graduated, I, ne- I needed studio space. So I applied for a lot of studio residencies. Um, another thing I also did was look at the CVs of people that I looked up to. So like McKinley Thomas or Jordan Castile, all of these artists, um, Injadeca Crosby, I looked at their CVs, what did they do? what was their career like and try and follow in their path as well. Um, so yeah, I supported myself with bar work in the beginning and then it transitioned into teaching and my artist community really kind of helped me to um, source out opportunities that were best for me. And then as time went on, you find yourself being exhibited in the likes of Japan and Hong Kong, I believe as well, as well as obviously places in in the UK. How did these opportunities come about? Is it through your own network or how does that work? I think eventually when you're consistent and you're continuously working and you're showing your work, you're showcasing your work, you're going to events and showing your face, opportunities, um, thank God, opportunities start to come back to you. So through emails, through DMs, people might ask me, oh, um, I want you to be a part of this show. Um, I would like to you know, showcase your work here. So Eventually, you don't really have to apply for certain things. They actually come to you. So um, luckily, I've been on that sort of journey where opportunities come to me and I don't apply for much. Um, I don't really apply for anything, really. But um, that's just with, like, putting the work in, putting the time in. And it's it's, it's starting to pay off. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. But the whole schmoozing element of the job is is actually quite important so do, do you think that without that you wouldn't have got as far as you have done now like going to parties and you know exhibitions and so forth um it's, it's definitely important because um you can you can have there's there's a lot of artists that are very talented but then if people don't know you're making work or people don't know who you are then they just don't know yeah and how how is that for you bearing in mind we discussed earlier that you know when you was a kid you was a bit a bit shy huh? is has that become easier for you or is it still sort of quite difficult um it's it's so the events that I go to are mainly art events so I would do it for free like I go to art exhibitions all the time so it's a thing of I'm, I'll probably be there anyways but when it comes to talking to people sometimes I can get a bit it's not that I'm shy but then I just don't want to seem like fake or that I'm trying to network if if a relationship happens organically then fine it's so funny I actually have a lot of friends that are you know curators and that are very more sociable so 
if I'm with them, then automatically I just talk to everyone. But if I if I go to an event by myself, then it's usually I just go to see the work and then I disappear. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it helps when I have like my sort of social friends with me. But if a conversation happens organically, then that's fine too. I wouldn't say I'm shy now. I just don't really care for like awkward conversations anymore. So yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And yeah. I guess now now you've got to the level that you are now. I know you do a bit of teaching, but we'll come on to that in a, in a few seconds. But what is the typical day of an artist, would you say? I mean, I, again, in a previous podcast, we spoke to a classical pianist, uh, Beatri- Beatrice Nicholas, and she spends tons of time each day practicing. I used to be an actor, and I know, you know, when you're rehearsing a, p- a play, you're spending pretty much kind of nine to five, nine to six during the day, and then you're performing in the evening. So what, what's a typical day for an artist, would you say? Um, it depends on what you have going on. So if I have an exhibition happening in like the next month or two, then I'm in the studio working, I'm painting away. I spend a lot of hours in the studio and I'm in the studio pretty late as well. So I can easily spend like 10 hours in the studio um so I'm just working on paintings making sure that they are you know right for the show if there's like a theme for the show or just good for my own standards um I might be taking pictures and trying to curate it um so if they've if they've shown me the exhibition space I might be just placing work in the space just seeing how everything looks together um, admin, so replying to emails, which I'm not the best at, but replying to emails and um, reading contracts and consignment agreements and um, just making sure everything is correct on that end because, you know, you might get a few people that try to be cheeky and, and you know, they want to keep your work for longer than they should or they, they want to take a bigger chunk than they're supposed to. So um, getting used to just looking at, contracts and reading through everything um social media uh, which I could improve that as well to be honest but you know as I said before making sure that your presence is 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 known so keeping up to date with my social media letting my audience know what's going on if I'm exhibiting um updating my website just things like that and um yeah maybe going to art supply stores visiting friends um artist friends as well I think that's something that people might take for granted. So even though it sounds like just like a fun thing, but having artist friends in your studio, going to your artist friend's studio is very helpful because once you leave university, you don't have this this organised crit that you usually have. And um, crits are very essential to help you improve your practice. So if you go to like your friend's studio, they can come to your studio, they can they can tell you, their honest opinion of the work and a lot of times when curators might come to your come to your studio space they are or just gallerists or whatever they kind of they obviously already like your work but then it's more of a thing where you know they don't want to give you constructive criticism all the time they're just like saying it's nice it's nice it's nice you know maybe they might be thinking of money as well but it's good to 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 keep your artist community strong so you can all you can like sharpen each other's tools um so I think that's about it really uh, sometimes there's a lot of sitting around and just looking at blank canvases or looking at works that are half finished flipping things around and 
just being frustrated with may your practices and changing things and experimenting. Um, but yeah, I love being in the studio. It's like my favourite place to be. I could be there all day, every day. That's actually really diverse. I, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't sort of appreciate that, that there is an admin part to. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Sort of checking, checking contracts and sending out emails and stuff like that. All so that, Yeah. Get a bit tedious, but yeah, you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I did read elsewhere that at any one time you're you're probably working on maybe two or three pieces. Is that still the case? And and how how long does it take to maybe do a large scale painting? How how long would that take from start to finish? I've definitely um, gotten faster at making work. So in the beginning, like let's say 2019, will take me like ages, like two months or three months to finish a piece that's maybe a meter by meter but now I'm very fast it's just it's just more so the thing of um like quality control and just making sure that it 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 has an impact on myself and the viewer so I can easily churn out a lot of paintings but it needs to have some sort of intention it needs to have just a, a meaning and it can't just be art for art's sake for me anyway so yeah, I can work on multiple pieces at one time and create like a whole series of work, but it just has to have that something that is special for me. Yeah. And for for those that don't know, I mean, what themes do you explore generally in your in your in your pieces? So mainly my practice um, is based on just the narratives of black womanhood. And I try to focus on narratives outside of myself as well, because, you know, we're not a monolith, you know, we're very, very diverse. So um, recently I did a, an, a residency with the Oof Gallery based in Tottenham in the Tottenham Stadium, and they focus on football. So I reached out to a, a, a footballer on the on the women's team, you know, spoke to her about her journey and, and I put it in the painting. So I just like to represent a diverse group of black women and try to share our stories as well as my own personal stories and I don't always want to focus on the negative I like to focus on you know positive stories or everyday stories for example like maybe queer relationships and in the black um, lesbian community so um, I just like to discuss our narratives and really uplift our our stories and uplift us and I want us to feel seen and the same way that I felt when I saw, you know, the works of Micheline Thomas and Kerry Mae Weems, that, that feeling of just being seen and just being celebrated um, is what I want to do within my own work. So, um, yeah, so that's like the sort of subject matter, but then I um, include a lot of African, you know, Caribbean culture. Um, most recently I, I, I've been including a lot of like magic and, West African divination. Well, I, I've always been doing that, but um, I've been focusing a lot more on that now. Um, so like a range of things, but mainly it's it's really about women of colour. Okay. And, and what, what's your view on the UK art scene? I mean, I, I know for a lot of people that are not in the scene, you know, as it were, it can be seen to be quite sort of exclusive and quite snob, snobbish, as you, as you mentioned before. How does the art world sort of become more inclusive, do you think? I don't know. I feel like the UK art scene is, for me, maybe it's just, I guess, what I'm used to now. So, and as I said before, like I've kind of made my own sort of bubble in a way. Um, So a lot of the artists that I know 
um, I'm pretty friendly with, I'm very comfortable with, and a lot of them are doing amazing in their, in their own field. So, um, I might not see it like that, but then there's probably like another sort of side to it. And actually there are a few artists that you meet and you're like, you know, you're just, you're just rude for no reason. And yeah, I, I, I just don't want to be around you. So you kind of do get some of that, but a lot of the artists that I know that are doing like amazing and I've, I'm like so happy that I know them and um, I feel very comfortable around them. So I don't know what it looks like from the outside. And I hope I'm not really excluding it, excluding everyone else, but um, yeah, I just feel like I've made these sort of artist friends and um, I'm just comfortable with them and, you just see them all the time. Whenever you go to like these exhibitions with all these private views, you see the same faces and you just kind of, we all just kick up together and we're just, you know, that's, I think that's the time that we get to connect because some, you know, we can get very busy. So when we, when we see each other out at private views, that's when we like congratulate each other if we're not doing it like over social media or over text, but we get to kind of just really discuss what's going on within our, our practices. And you mentioned that you're now teaching, well, you've been teaching for quite a while now, but um, you teach at the Univers- University of Arts. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah. I teach at um, Central St. Martins and at Camberwell College of Arts. So what kind of level are you teaching? Is it, is it sort of A-level? Is it, is it um, sort of graduates? Um, so at Central St. Martins, I teach on the master's course, uh, the art and science course, the one that I graduated from. Oh, okay. Yeah. And at Camberwell, um, I'm with the year twos on the painting course. Wow, so that's full circle, isn't it? On the yeah. on the same course that you graduated from, how, how does that feel? Um, it's, it feels really good. Um, I think all the things that I was complaining about, you know, in terms of the representation and things, I, that's what I try to work towards and try to push for when I'm, you know, when I, while I'm there, and just being that sort of the change, being the change that I wanted to see while I was studying. Um, I really try to break down those sort of those sort of um, barriers and these hierarchies so I don't even like to call myself a teacher or a lecturer I just I just say you know I'm here to show you that you know this is what you need to do and you know I'm, I'm a black British girl African background from Tottenham like and I'm a lecturer here at Central Martin it doesn't sometimes it doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth it doesn't even sound right but you know, I'm here to show you that it's possible and show you the real, you know, this is where you get the money. This is how you get the grades. Cause you know, some, I feel like some people, they don't want to share the information and I'm just here to just give it all. Yeah. I had a similar experience at drama school. They, they don't really give you sometimes, not all the time, but they don't give you the reality of what it is when you graduate, you know, it's, it's graft, it's hard work, isn't it? To kind of make ends meet and stuff exactly yeah it's so funny one of my students um she was just reminiscing on like her first year she was like I remember when you first you did you did your first lecture and you're telling me like just figure out what you want to do now like because it's going to go by far like, oh my gosh was I that harsh in the beginning but there's a reason why it's because you know the two years it goes by so fast and I want you to be prepared about you know be prepared on on what's going to happen once you finish and really think about what you want to do. You might not have a solid idea, but think about all the possibilities and all the things that you, you know, you could, you could get into now. Is that something that came naturally to you sort of teaching or lecturing, or it was that 
something that you had to sort of get accustomed to? Oh my gosh, yeah, I had to get accustomed to it. It was it was really hard in the beginning. So I think what made it slightly easier was doing it with Shays Noir. So they focus on academics of colour and really kind of getting you out of this imposter syndrome mindset. They say whenever you walk into a room, you have to you know, address yourself as, you know, you're academic, you're a tutor here, you're supposed to be here, you're here for a reason. So they really kind of drilled that into your head. But it was still very hard, especially teaching on a master's course where a lot of the students are older than me. And I feel like, you know, they, they might not respect me. Maybe the way I talk, I'm from Tottenham. You know, my mum speaks Creole, my dad speaks Lingala and French. Like my, even though I am British, but my accent I, I is very much, <laughs> um, you know, a Londoner. So I was, I was concerned about all of those things, being a black young woman in this setting, calling myself an associate lecturer, like who do I think I am sort of thing. But um, I always have to remember, like, I've done this already. I've done this already and I'm doing the things that you probably want to do. And I need to probably put more respect on myself, you know, give myself some more, more respect. Like you, you, you've done this, you've gone through this and You've, you, you, people respect you for, for what you've done and that's why they've brought you onto the course that's why you're here so constantly reminding myself of that and knowing that I am genuinely here to help that's all I want to do that's all I wanted to do when I was studying that's what my practice is about is really uplifting people and supporting people so um, you do there was in the beginning I did get a few you know older especially like those like a lot of older white men that I felt like they didn't respect me but now yeah, all of that is cut out now. Um, I've, I've gotten over that um, in a way now. So, yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, those, those types of uh, overcoming adversity, that's absolutely what, what the listeners love hearing about. So, yeah, that's, that's great. You've come out the other end. That's fantastic. And I guess um, what's next for you? I mean, you know, what do you hope to achieve over, over the next sort of five or ten years? So, um, well, I guess currently I'm... I have an exhibition. Um, so the King actually commissioned 10 artists to... The King, you know. The yeah, King. The king. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he commissioned um, 10 artists to um, paint portraits or just um, capture portraits of the Windrush generation. So um, the documentary is out right now. It's on BBC iPlayer. Um, you can watch that now. And the portraits are on show. They're currently at um, the Palace of Holly, is it Hollywood House. Oh gosh, Holly, Hollywood House, something like that. And then it's going to come back to the Royal Collection in September. So that's the current exhibitions that I have on now. I have a few online presentations that will be happening this month and next month on Artsy. And I am going back to university. Um, I'm doing a second master's in painting at the RCA. Um, yeah, I'm going back to school and um, got a scholarship, luckily, because it's very expensive wow. to stay there. Yes, yes. So Franklin Bowling, um, Frank Bowling scholarship. Thank God. So that's what I'll be doing. And then um, hopefully some solo shows next year once I graduate and... Yeah, I guess in the future, you said, oh my gosh, you're five to 10 years. So I would like to be consistently working with, you know, just a couple of galleries in London and international galleries. So hopefully to be signed to a few galleries around the world. I want to do residencies mainly in Africa and in America, possibly. But I really want to do um, residencies in Africa. 
and I just just really continue my practice and just making my wildest dreams come true in terms of um what I enjoy and what I'm trying to do within my within my work so yeah I see. That's brilliant. So yeah, definitely life for you is not just going to be based in London. It's, it, it'll be like an international focused career, you know, exhibiting in different galleries in different cities across the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Now I know we're, we're running out of time, but um, one question that we do ask all guests before they, before they leave is you've done really, really well in your career to date. But how much of your success do you think is down to luck? How much is down to hard work? Or how much is down to talent? If you had to choose one of the three, what would you what would you go for? Oh, um, I think I would say hard work and prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think hard work, you definitely have to work hard, but work hard and work smart, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of artists right now that are doing amazing and their, their, their work probably takes like maybe half an hour to complete and they're selling it for crazy amounts of money. So work hard, but work smart. And, um, I just, I just believe in God. So I just have to pray and just give thanks for everything that's happened so far and for the future blessings to come. So I would just say, yeah, definitely hard work. I think hard work is number one, um, talent. Maybe talent, yeah, talent's number two. And luck, uh, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Or, you know, God's God's will. I don't know. That could be classified as anything. But yeah, hard work's probably number one for me. Yeah, we probably don't have enough time to uh, go through the artists that are just taking half an hour to create their art and then selling it for thousands of pounds. I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's after, that's when, like, when you get to a certain Oh, I see. Once they've made their name, yeah. Yeah, okay. then you can you can you can do certain things because your name, you know, holds weight. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of artists that didn't take that long. To be honest, it's it maybe depends on your skill and you know how good you are at your at your yeah craft. Wow, that's a that's a peek behind the, the curtain there for for people that are listening. Yeah, yeah, some artists are earning thousands of pounds and they're only taking half an hour to produce their work. Wow. Watch Damien. Is it Damien Hurst? Watch him in Damien Hurst. Just throwing like you know spots on a on a on canvas and but he's Damien Hurst so he can do that yeah. and sell for crazy amounts of money so you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and just one last question what what do you think you would have done if you hadn't have become an artist like what other career do you think you would have you know in a different life what would you be doing now if it wasn't if it, if it wasn't art I think I would be definitely still focusing on uplifting or supporting women of color. I think I wanted, I, do you know, I did want to, I wanted to be a, a gynecologist. I don't know if I was smart enough to do that, but yeah, I wanted to be a gynecologist and possibly focus, focus on black women's health. And um, yeah, so possibly that, or maybe something to do with animals. Be a vet. Wow. Quite diverse, quite diverse. Well, Shannon, you've been fantastic. And I I, I think you've given a really sort of interesting insight into the world of art. Uh, As I say, sometimes it can be appear to be quite sort of otherworldly and kind of out of out of reach. And I think you've really helped to kind of make it more, um, more realistic. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this, actually. (laughs) Well, well. You learn something new every day, eh? Artists creating work in 30 minutes and selling it for thousands of pounds. 
Thanks so much for Shannon for such a interesting chat. As she said, you can catch her on a documentary called Windrush, Portraits of a Generation. Now, what she was too humble to say is that she was one of a select few to be commissioned by King Charles himself to create portraits of 10 members of the Windrush generation. So you can catch that at the moment on BBC iPlayer. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. If you like the show, please do leave a review, hit us up on the socials or send us an email to howicrushedit at gmail.com and catch you on the next show.